Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Find three or four people around you, and the question to get started with is, what have you been scared to commit to? Enjoy. I believe that we all want transformation, but what I want to know is, as a community, can we be committed to making transformation happen? And that transformation happens when we're committed to it, right? We're transformed by our commitments. Because of these commitments, because we put our mouth, money where our mouth is like LeBron James, because we showed up, because we participated, because we took a risk, because we were brave, it's because of those things, those commitments, that's why transformation really took place. And so to think about transformation and the commitments that we have around it, we're going to talk about some things. We're talking about the I Promise School, and to do that, then we need to talk about the things that we're saying no to. And if we can say no to some things, then we need to think about this idea of information and reformation and moving towards transformation. And if we can do that, then we should look at some statistics of the church in 2021. And if we can think about statistics, then we can talk about what it means of moving from a cynic to a mystic. And if we can think about some mystic fans in the room, and by them, I mean one. And if we can talk about what it meant to be a mystic, then we can talk about that time that I was in South Bend, Indiana, which was three days ago. And then if we can talk about South Bend, Indiana, then we can say yes to some things. We can talk about our commitments, and if we can do that, then we can clean up and grow up and wake up and ultimately show up. And I really am going to do this in 11 minutes because we're way over on time. So get your watches out, put your phones on. I love a good challenge. Go ahead. And let's do this thing. Okay, first let's read a passage from Jesus, Matthew 5. It goes like this. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And let's read it one more time from the message version. And don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never do it. Or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. Can I get an amen? In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. And all God's people said. <laughs> the book of Matthew is a book that's all about change. It's the first gospel for a reason that the book of Matthew is all about change because it was written primarily to a Jewish audience. And a Jewish audience at the time, they had a certain way of understanding God and their faith and the religion and how the world works. And they were one of the first groups of our faith to begin the process of deconstruction. That Jesus comes along, that this Messiah, that the Son of God offers them a different way of understanding the faith tradition that they came from. That this is a way of how you understand Yahweh. And even in Jesus' time, there was a lot of pious talk by the pastors and preachers of the day who talked a lot about God and who talked in very formal ways about God. And yet the people of God were living under oppression. 
Yet the people of God, their lives weren't necessarily getting any better. That the pastors and the priests, that their lives may have been better, but maybe the people of God were struggling in a bunch of different ways. That they were in relationship to the government. That they were in relationship to Rome in ways that they shouldn't have been. And sometimes when the church does that and loses its marginalized voice, as a difficult time of participating in the transformation of God. I know none of this sounds familiar to our current context. I'm just saying things happened back then. And so in Jesus' time, when Jesus goes and offers the Sermon on the Mount, his very Jewish audience would have been very aware of what Jesus is doing. We talked about this in here before, but Jesus goes up onto a mountain just like Moses would have or Abraham did before or Elijah, and he offers these new words of God. Again, you have heard it said, Jesus is saying, I know the tradition you come from. I'm not here to abolish that thing, but I am here to evolve it. But I say unto you, you have heard the religious give their pious talk and manipulate and hurt people, and it's not working for the everyday person. But I say unto you, how are we just committed to the words that we say? How do we live with an authenticity and an integrity? How do we have a character about who we are in this world? And how do we commit to these things? And what I'm challenged by, what I hope for by a very progressive liberal community like New Abbey is there are some things that we are incredibly good at and we can name them. We're good at evolving. We're good at asking bigger questions. We're good at marching on some things. We're good at justice. But generally, liberals and progressives, we're not good at commitments. And some of that is rooted in what we're trying to figure out. Well, I participate in boundaries now, Corey, so I can't really commit to that thing right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. And, this, and I don't mock that I'm dead serious. You should learn boundaries. You should learn how to say no. You should learn how to say yes. We grew up in a world where things were manipulated, and it's a powerful thing to learn that. And as you go through that process and as you learn to evolve, there are some things that we need to commit to. There are some things that we need to participate with. Jesus, of course, understood this for his first audience. He recognized they're not just here to abolish the faith that they came from, but to evolve it in such a way so that it could, that it could participate in the healing and the transformation of the world. That Jesus' good news is rooted in his kingdom. Jesus came to offer a new reality for humanity. And there are many different times and place in history where we need to offer a new, more powerful reality for the world. We are clearly in that time. Because of the internet and technology and social media, there is a disruption happening on planet Earth right now where we have so much information, where we recognize things are not working as they ought to be, that you name the system and there is somebody there who wants to take that thing down for good reasons because that system is not supporting all of the people around them. And first and foremost, I would say, is probably the church. It's gonna get uncomfortable, so let's go here. In the United States right now, there are 2.7 million people who leave the church every single year. 2.7 million people. That has been happening for over 13 years straight. If you take the math backwards, just a few years ago, it was 24% of the population who went to church on a regular basis in Los Angeles County. Now we're down to less than 16% of the population. That after COVID, what we find from Pew reports and Gallup reports is that 30% of the population is going back to church uh, because that's what they would do. 30% of the population is like, I'm not sure, you know, the pandemic, Delta variant, all those kind of things. We'll see where we're at. And 30% of the population just got to a new rhythm in life and said, actually, that thing wasn't that helpful for me, and I'm never going back. Now, what I'm interested in is not how many butts we can get in seats at church. What I'm interested in is transformed people who live out this kingdom reality of Jesus. 
Newell Abbey is just a vehicle to do that. I've never been a believer in the brand. I think churches get really weird when they begin to talk about their brand and who the pastor is and what the music is, and they lose sight of the mission that we're on. We're just a bicycle, people, riding around in this kingdom reality. Do I want the bike to work as good as it can? I want to be pedaling in the same direction. I want to make sure that our tires, right, have air in it, and I want to do as much as we can when we can. All that I care about New Abbey is people are like, when people were here and there was like five people, and when people are here and there's like 50 people, like, do you ever worry that New Abbey will grow too big or get too small? Like, those are, that's not how I think about it. I just want to know that anybody who needs this place will find it. Because if they need healing and they need each of you and they need your lives and the stories that you're telling, then I want to make sure that they have access to that thing. The rest of it, I don't really care about the brand. That's not that interesting to me. That's not what I gave my life to. What I gave my life to is human beings knowing that they're celebrated, human beings knowing that they're good, human beings knowing that they're loved and cared for and pleased by God. What I've committed my life to is erasing the bad news that we were given that somehow there's an angry God out there who's super mad at you, needed to kill his son somehow in order to be satisfied with who you are. Those are newer versions of theology that came about in the last two to 400 years. That is not an orthodoxy that has been in the church for the last 2,000 years. What I want to get back to is a larger narrative of good news in which it actually has meaningful impact in the world. So when I see statistics like that, I'm not scared. In fact, I say, what if that's God doing that thing? All of the different reformations throughout history, what if it's God creating the disruption? Just like Jesus created the disruption in his own time. And he was telling people a better way and a different way to understand their reality. Now I'm sure there's a lot of people who that's terrifying for. And it's always terrifying depending on which box you find yourself. Again, we talk about three boxes in here, the, uh, this idea of construction and deconstruction and reconstruction. Maybe we think about it as information, reformation, transformation. And each box has a place and purpose in your life. The first box that you have is information. Generally, it's a conservative box. I don't mean conservative politically. I just mean conservative as in these are the formative things that you have been given and you conserve it because it worked for you for a certain time and period in your life. Even before you had the ability to question it, this was just the box you were given. The box that I was given is that relationship with Jesus somehow means my ability to memorize Bible verses. That it was really a faith oriented in memorizing and knowing more of the Bible. And if I knew more of the Bible, then somehow I would be closer in relationship to God. And what I found out is I knew a lot of people who memorized the Bible really well and could tell you it front to back and they were still jerks. And that was problematic for me. And so I began the process of reformation, right? This is you're progressing from something. And you're asking yourself new and bigger questions about the world. Questions that might lead you to more authenticity, again, more integrity, and that you're just, in, but in this area, in this box, oftentimes it's confusing. How many of you sometimes miss the box of information and construction? Anybody ever miss it because it just like was so comfortable? Some of you are like, I don't want to admit it out loud. That's okay. It was safe over here. You knew a bunch of things. There's a way that worked until it didn't. And then you're like, oh God, it really didn't work. And that's okay. And over here, there's a lot of questions, and it's uncomfortable, and it's figuring out, and it's a mystery. But the answer at the end of the day is we were not created to be conservative or progressive. We were created for maturity and for health. And the third box is reconstruction. The third box is transformation, that we move from information. We're not supposed to just stay in reformation, because sometimes reformation is really good at tearing things down. It's not always great at building things up. Or it builds new things up, which, to be honest, we'll have to tear down a few centuries later as well. That's just part of human evolution. 
We're growing and we have bigger pictures and understanding of the world than we did a few hundred years ago. And in a couple hundred years, when us and Elon Musk are still living in condos on Mars, we're going to be asking different questions. And that's okay. But in those questions, we want to be asking transformed questions for who we are as human beings so that we know that wherever we find ourselves as a species, that we're still participating in a good news, that we can advance technologically but what actually heals people and transforms them so that they can fully learn to love God and love themselves and lo love other human beings. It's why I believe in the church. It's why I believe in what we're doing. So we say no to some things. Many of you are here in a church like New Abbey because you have already said no to some things. Praise God. Keep saying no to those things. And just so you know, you're not alone. Statistically speaking, 2.7 million other people are saying no to those things each and every year. That doesn't have to be, sometimes what I'm interested about in the conservative church is they look at those things as if that's almost like proving faithfulness. I don't think that's what it's proving. I think it's proving we're not offering something that's transforming the world. There's not an integrity to our faith. There are serious and direct questions by the person that you put into office if that person doesn't match the messaging of your faith. The means do not justify the ends. And if for those people who are like, well, Donald Trump is the only answer for me, and so I didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. I know I'm getting political. Great, Jesus was political. Then in that situation, don't vote for Hillary Clinton either. You know what you should do? You should pick another candidate because the church is always at its best when it's speaking from a marginalized per perspective, not when it's getting into bed with powerful voices. And so that's okay that the church is figuring itself out in the world right now. I believe that it will lead to more opportunity for humanity to be authentic and for people to actually connect to God. Because what's interesting about those polls is even though less than 16% of the population is going to church on a regular basis, which means once a month, what we do find is that over 65% of that population is hungering for spirituality and have said that they encounter something bigger than themselves. It's not that we have more atheists in the world, it's that we have more people who are spiritually hungry. I see that as an opportunity for the church to participate and be excited about its tradition while it's building up new things and letting old things go. That the church has an opportunity to commit to saying no to a bunch of things that have not been working for a lot of humanity. And we can honestly know what those things are. The church for hundreds of years didn't work for women. It just didn't. Completely odd that only a man could come up and speak. A little bit ironic right now, I get it. It's not lost on me, but go with me. Oh, you can only, you can be a children's pastor, right? It's not, it's, it's difficult that the church didn't do racial justice well. It's difficult that the church has not cared for the LGBTQ community. It's difficult that the church created a theology in which this world is really bad and somehow getting magically transported in a rapture out of here, and we have led to the destruction of the environment. Those things are not working for humanity, not just for a small section of humanity, but for billions of people. And if the church will not participate in a bigger good news, then millions and millions of more people will leave the church. But at the end of the day, the goal is the kingdom of God. The goal is leading people into a larger reality. That's what Jesus is inviting people into on the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is saying, we don't need all the religious talk anymore. That phony religion wasn't working for anybody. We get the things that you're saying no to, but also what are you committed to saying yes to? And as a church, I have serious questions about that. What are we committed to saying yes to as a people? And so Ken Wilber, who is the creator of Memetics, which is an industrial psychology, which is this evolving consciousness, talk about a good time for a job, uh, he creates this concept, and it goes like this, that as human beings, we need to clean up, and then we grow up, 
and then we wake up, and then we show up. Cleanup is where every religion begins. There's a fundamentalism around some type of purity code. Every group has it. Baseball teams have it. You wear blue here. You wear orange here. This is what we do, right? It's just human beings. It's what we do. Uh, where we have purity codes about what you can eat or who you can sleep with or how things look, you name it. These things are not evil. That's just how every religion works. And then people create some type of buy-in or membership to the thing because you obey the purity codes. It works well for addicts at times when you go to 12-step groups, right? You need to clean up and you need some really strong structures in order to move beyond an addiction. And then you grow up, which we all need in society. Growing up is this part of society in which we just have to be adults, just how it works, right? We gotta like pay our bills and be functional and figure things out. And it's really hard to grow up when you haven't cleaned up. We've all been there, right? And so we clean up and then we grow up and then we wake up, which is where many of you are in this room, where you're having these larger ideas of consciousness and what it means to be human. And you're connected to some things and you're asking bigger questions and you're evolving and that's all beautiful. And you're going to therapy, right? You've got a spiritual director. You've got some great blogs that you're following. There's all kinds of things that we're doing to wake up because we just have access to so much information and we've participated in incredible reformation. So now we want to transform. And these first three concepts that Ken Wilber is talking about, these are really interior works that you got to clean up and then you got to grow up and then you got to wake up. But the final thing that you got to do, and this is where we are as a community, is that we have to show up. We have to show up now. The world will not be transformed if we just live in these first three boxes. The world will not be transformed if we just keep living in information and reformation. The world will be transformed when we commit to little kids. When we commit to this concrete idea that God is in front of us every single day in these beautiful children. This idea is as old as time. I get that as a community, there are other things that you need to commit to and you should keep doing that work. I think what we need to commit to as a community is the things we've already talked about. Commit to therapy. You cannot be more spiritually mature than you are emotionally mature. That's just the way that it works. There are a lot of people who have good, clap for that, amen, let's do it. There are a lot of people who have great spirituality and great theology and mentally and emotionally they are potato bugs. And they are dangerous for the world. They are truly dangerous for the world. Because you leave people in a, in a bind. You leave people in really difficult places. And so we got to do the whole job of integrating and healing and growing as human beings, right? Love the God, Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not just love the Lord your God with all of your Bible memorization verse capacity. No. Even in the words that Jesus, the only time you ever hear Jesus really makes some type of judgmental comment is separating the sheep and the goats. What's it all about? Your capacity to show up. Do you care for the poor? Do you care for the marginalized? Do you care for the alien? That's what Jesus gets fired up about. Jesus is like, hey, you've been on this journey with me. You've seen this new way of God. You see how this good news works. You've said no to some of these structures over here that have been painful and difficult for you. You've seen me loved on the woman at the well. You've seen me love the woman who got caught in adultery. You've seen me show people a greater sense of justice. You've seen me feed the marginalized in the 5,000. You see me do all this work, and now you know what you need to do? You gotta show up as well. So keep showing up in those transformed places in your life that nobody could see, because if you don't heal yourself, you'll never heal the, world, heal the world. You can't give what you don't have. That's just the way that it works. And then start committing to some concrete things. I'll give you a few if you're bored. We need help folding chairs. I know I was gonna turn this around in the church, but I'm gonna go with it. We need help with kids. We need help with people showing up in a place like this. And if it's not here, I'm honestly, again, I'm not here to promote this thing, which is weird for a pastor to say, then find something else, but commit to it. 
Because if you do not show up to that, you will not learn and you will not complete your process of transformation. Because you need to go through that and then you're going to do it all again someday, which is beautiful. But you need to show up. We need to show up as a church. And I think it's a powerful thing. For me, it's all about Millie. And I said that before, it really is. It's all about the children in our community. How do we show up for them? If 10 years from now, we have a bunch of kids who are like, I don't know what to believe or what to think or what to see in the world because all these people just deconstructed in front of me and they never gave me anything to grab onto and they were scared to say anything in the world. What good will that be? Or they can say, all these people did that incredibly hard work and when I became 14 and I sat with that person because I was gay and I knew that in this church there was somebody else who would understand my journey and what it means or I was going through this or I was straight or I was whatever the thing may be, right? In this community, we cover all the bases, so to speak. That that kid gets to sit down with you, a 14-year-old, and say, man, I don't know what any of this means. Man, these stories are wild, aren't they, in the Bible? They're crazy as hell, kid. <laughs> I'm so confused about my body. So am I, or so was I. But I did a lot of work. I did a lot of therapy. I had Jesus transform my life in a lot of ways. And you want to know why I did that? Because I knew you were going to come around one day. And I wanted to make sure you didn't have to live in 20 years of confusion and deconstruction like I did. You're going to go through your own stuff, but we're going to welcome it here. In fact, we're going to celebrate it here. And guess what, kid? You're participating in an ancient Jewish tradition called Christianity, right? That's what Jesus did. Jesus never gave more answers. Again, Jesus was asked 218 questions in his day. He answered two. Instead, he gave 237 more questions in return. Jesus is already saying, I'm already with you in the difficult process. But don't be confused by the deconstruction of your mind as the same thing as showing up with your body, right? It's the same, same thing as showing up in places that are actually going to create concrete change in this world. So that's what we're committed to in this place. Let's commit to say no to some things. Those things aren't serving the world, and you're not alone in that. The statistics are correct for a reason. And let's commit to saying yes to some things. If we don't show up, it's not only going to be harm us, it's going to harm the next generation as well. And we want to be the people who are building, not the brand of New Abbey, but a kingdom of God that really does bring healing, that really does bring transformation, and most importantly, maturity for a humanity that desperately longs for it. And with that, you're going to jump back in some conversation groups. And you're going to answer this light question. What commitment will you make to show up? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.